Welcome. You're listening to a series of four familial hypercholesterolemia podcasts brought to you by the American Heart Association and the FH Foundation. This series is focused on educating patients, caregivers, and healthcare providers on ways to improve awareness, detection of FH, and management of high cholesterol. Hi, everyone. My name is Kat Davis Ahmed, and I'm the Vice President for Policy and Outreach for the FH Foundation. I myself have familial hypercholesterolemia. Our first podcast is all about what is familial hypercholesterolemia, or FH. I'm happy to be talking with Dr. Josh Knowles, attending physician at the Stanford Center for Inherited Cardiovascular Disease, where he treats patients with FH. He is also the Chief Mission Advisor for the FH Foundation. Hi, Dr. Knowles. Thanks for joining us for this discussion on what is FH. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Kat, for having me on. Thanks to the American Heart Association and the FH Foundation. And uh, you're, feel free to call me Josh if you want. All right. Thanks, Josh. So let's start with the basics. What is familial hypercholesterolemia? Yeah, that's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? Familial hypercholesterolemia. And uh, we often call it FH, but another way to think about it is family high cholesterol. FH is a condition. um, It's a genetic condition. It's passed in families. Uh, If you got it, you inherited it from your mom or your dad. And it results in very high uh, LDL cholesterol levels from birth. And uh, over time, that LDL cholesterol is toxic to blood vessels, especially those that feed the heart. And so it puts people at very high risk of early onset heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, um, and uh, procedures like stenting or bypass surgery. Um, FH is caused by genetic mutations that control the body's ability to recycle LDL cholesterol. LDL cholesterol uh, has been in the news a lot lately. Some people think that it is uh, not as deadly as it is, but high LDL levels are toxic to blood vessels over time and really um, need to be lowered uh, extensively in FH patients. Thank you. So a lot of people have high cholesterol, and they may be wondering why they've never heard of, of FH is how common is FH? Yeah, that's something that we've learned a lot about over the last few years. When I was in medical school, not that long ago, we used to say FH affected one in 500 individuals. But we now know through very large uh, modern genetic studies and other studies that FH is much more common than we once thought, about one in 220. It affects all races and ethnic groups. It's a present in all countries that have been surveyed so far. And so that means there's at least a million, uh, one million, uh, 300,000 individuals in the United States with FH. Unfortunately, many individuals with FH do not know they have it. They do not know that they're um, walking around with a risk of early onset heart disease. Um, maybe as few as 10% actually have been diagnosed properly. There are many reasons for that, but the biggest reason is that people are not looking for it. I'm so glad we have this opportunity to talk about FH, and and hopefully there may be people who are listening who can recognize themselves and their families in in this podcast, quite frankly, and and, um, look into it. If somebody, if this sounds familiar, um, how would somebody go about finding out if they have FH? How is FH diagnosed? 
Yeah, that's a uh, that's really the critical question, and it's and and unlike many conditions for which individuals might have uh, symptoms, high cholesterol doesn't necessarily cause any symptoms until a, a, a bad event like a heart attack occurs. But we should really uh, be looking for FH because it can be diagnosed uh, relatively straightforwardly. The first thing is. Um, looking at the cholesterol levels in an adult, if the LDL cholesterol is over 190, or if a child, if the LDL cholesterol is over 160, we should have a high degree of suspicion for FH. And if there's a family history of early onset heart disease, if your mother or your father or your sister or your brother <clears throat> had a heart attack, uh, you know, before age 60 for men or for 50 for women, then you should really uh, strongly consider uh, FH as being um, uh, involved. And really, a few years ago, the American Heart Association um, endorsed that uh, those kind of criteria as when we should really be suspicious for FH. How about genetic testing? I know there's a lot of information in the in the news about genetic testing. FH is a genetic disorder. What's the role of genetic testing for FH? Yeah, that that is also something that's uh, really emerging as being extremely important. You know, in many countries around the world. FH uh, genetic testing has been standard of care for many years, and it's been shown to be highly efficacious in increasing the ability to find individuals with FH, making sure they get, uh, motiv are motivated to take the right therapies, and then especially screening other potentially affected family members. In the U.S., until, uh, until recently, and, and even currently, FH genetic testing is not as commonly done as it maybe should be. Uh, there's many reasons for that. It has been relatively expensive, and people haven't known how to order the tests. But just a few weeks ago, uh, uh, the FH Foundation helped uh, uh, convene a, uh, and publish a paper from the FH experts around the world that endorsed the use of uh, genetic testing, offering genetic testing to all individuals suspected of having FH. The reason that genetic testing can be so useful is that it can confirm a diagnosis and the genetic testing can offer, also offer prognostic information. That is, if you have a mutation, you might be more severely affected. It can potentially affect um, the way individuals view their condition. They might be more likely to take a medication when they know it's not their fault. And, um, and the final reason is that it really improves our ability to do family-based screening. Um, one of the key messages that we like to convey is we never find an individual with FH we only find families with FH, and so we need to be looking with, uh, within families to, to find unaffected individuals before something bad happens. That's great. But it's true, though, as you said, though, that most people are, are diagnosed without genet genetic testing, and it, it, while it may be helpful at the moment, it's not required for, di for diagnosis. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, um, and that's, this is an emerging uh, field. Uh, many uh, lipidologists, cardiologists, physicians don't know how to order genetic testing. They're scared about interpreting the results, um, and some individuals don't want genetic testing, and it's not necessary for a diagnosis, but it can, uh, in certain circumstances, be very useful. You know, we encourage all people to talk to their healthcare provider about what, whether that would be something that's useful for them. Mm-hmm. And at the FH Foundation, we also want, you know, to be sure that people hopefully have the opportunity to talk to a genetic counselor and understand um, the 
considerations that they that they might have before they go ahead and have the genetic testing done. For example, you know, does it go into your medical record and all of those? There's just things to be educated about before you order the the test. So I think one thing I hear because I talk to people with FH all the time. I have FH myself. I think as you mentioned in a little earlier, people question whether cholesterol really matters. And since FH is, is a disorder of high LDL cholesterol, I wanted to ask, you know, why should we worry about high cholesterol? Is it really uh, a, a, the risk factor or is there something else? Um, you know, I want people to understand sort of what is the role of, of cholesterol in the development of heart disease? Yeah, and that's a, something that we deal with every day in clinic. There's a, a, and and I think some in some ways a, a little uh, a little understanding of the development of atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is the deposition of plaque in the arteries, especially those that feed the heart. A little understanding of how that process works might be useful here. And atherosclerosis um, is a condition that affects all of us, and it progresses in the same way but at different rates. And it can be viewed as really a response to injury. Things like diabetes or high blood pressure or smoking can all damage the blood vessel wall and trigger this atherosclerotic response. But one of the most potent stimuli for atherosclerosis is high LDL cholesterol. LDL cholesterol can get inside the blood vessel wall and trigger an inflammatory response, and that can lead to plaques in the arteries that get larger and larger over time and sometimes can rupture and cause heart attacks. And so one of the key messages for individuals with FH is they've been born with a predisposition to extremely high LDL levels, and those LDL levels can trigger that atherosclerotic response early in life, and it can progress uh, more rapidly than in, than in other situations. So FH individuals are often affected 20 or 30 years um, prior to, to their uh, uh, other individuals that don't have FH, and um, and can be very severely affected in the 40s and 50s with heart disease. And it's certainly something that I worry about and um, inspires me to take my medication every morning. <laughs> so can you talk to us about why then, if high cholesterol is a risk factor for, for, for everybody, why uh, distinguish FH? Why does FH diagnosis matter? Yeah, and... Again, I think this is it's really important for people to understand this, that um, LDL cholesterol can be conceptualized, can be thought of as a waste product. We all need a little bit of cholesterol, but not very much. And the body takes the little bit of cholesterol it needs from the blood and sends the rest back uh, for recycling. And LDL is really a waste product. And individuals with FH are exposed to extremely high levels of that LDL cholesterol really starting early in childhood, age two, three. And um, so the burden uh, that their, their blood vessels are exposed to is really high. And so uh, the reason that it's important to make this distinction is that because they're uh, individuals with FH are at such high risk, they need to be treated aggressively. We need to combat that extra uh, burden that they've been exposed to by lowering the LDL level uh, uh, um, substantially, you know, to, to basically make up for lost time. All right. And is the, um, the, because the levels are so high, do you have to treat it 
differently than than you would other people with high cholesterol? Is there does it get treated? Yeah, that's 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 and and we know a lot about this. We have uh, the FH Foundation several years ago started the National Patient Registry. Individuals with FH were kind enough to allow us to look at uh, and and um, and at their some of their um, data from their medical records and look at their cholesterol and look at how they're severely they're affected. And what we learned from that is that many individuals with FH are affected by heart disease at a very early age and are not diagnosed until very late, often after they've already had a heart attack or stroke. And we know from other data that uh, the good news about FH is just that you identify it early enough and treat it aggressively enough that you can prevent almost all the downstream consequences. So one of the major goals that the FH Foundation has is to try to prevent every individual from, uh, with FH from becoming a patient with FH. And the way we do that is by lowering the LDL cholesterol, maybe even more aggressively than we would do it for other people. So um, in most individuals, uh, treatment with a single drug like a statin might be enough but in a substantial proportion of FH patients, more than one cholesterol-lowering medication is needed. In our registry, about 40 or 50 percent of FH individuals required a second medication to lower cholesterol, and about 20 require three medications. So it's harder to treat, but more important to treat aggressively. That's very helpful. And I know we have a future podcast that will go more in-depth, but I, um, I think that's great to let people know um, that there is combination therapy available if if, if somebody uh, needs that. And so, what is what do we do then if you find out that you have FH and you're diagnosed with FH and you find uh, and and you're managing it yourself? Um, then what do you do since it's genetic? Um, just to you know, I think I think I, in, to my own family, you know, the importance of understanding that FH is different from other causes of high cholesterol is that it might affect my children. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think what you're getting at is like, what what do we do once we know that there's somebody in a, a family that has FH, and what do we do for the individual, and what do we do with the family? And I think the first thing to know here is that you should not do it alone that there is a community out there of FH individuals like Kat. You know, you're one of the prime examples of, of somebody who's trying to spread the word and uh, be a support, uh, both uh, figuratively and literally, for other individuals. You can learn from other uh, folks with FH how they've dealt with their condition, you know, their, their struggles with uh, um, uh, getting medications approved or their um, uh, struggles with convincing family members that this is important or even convincing their health care providers that this, this is important. So the first thing is get connected, and, and the FH Foundation is a, a great way of doing that. The second thing is that you should find a health care provider that you're comfortable with that takes this diagnosis seriously, that is educated and is willing to get more educated about FH. Um, there's a list of FH uh, specialists that, that can be found online, and um, it's surprising uh, that, that even many uh, experienced healthcare providers and cardiologists are not as uh, up, up to date on, on, on FH care as they should be. So find a lipid specialist or a cardiologist or an endocrinologist or a healthcare provider that really is uh, willing to go the extra mile. The other thing that, and then of course, the other thing that you need to do is take care of yourself. And I mean, that means uh, adhering to a very healthy diet and lifestyle, um, exercising every day, 
45 minutes or an hour, uh, not smoking, uh, making sure you control your, your blood pressure and your weight and your other risk factors, and then most importantly, controlling your cholesterol. And one of the key messages for FH is that diet and exercise, while important, are never enough by themselves. It's only with the use of medications that we can lower uh, cholesterol effectively in these individuals with genetic, uh, a genetic predisposition. And so taking your medications regularly, getting your LDL cholesterol down, usually uh, down uh, certainly to LDL less than 100 milligrams per deciliter, many of us treat it uh, to an LDL less than 70, uh, is really important. Then the final thing that, that I always say is that, again, we never find an individual with FH. We only find family members with FH. And so a diagnosis of FH in the family should prompt you to get connected to your other relatives. All first-degree relatives need to be screened. Mother, father, brothers, sisters, uh, children all need to be tested for FH, and that can be usually done with a lipid panel, or if genetic testing is available, that can also help. So that's sort of a long answer, but I think that's... Uh, an important answer. That's. A, I think it's a great answer, and I, I when when I get the chance to talk to people with FH, especially when they're newly diagnosed and worrying about themselves and their children, um, I often say, you know, you can you can only do what what you know to do, and so a diagnosis actually can really give you the tools that you need to address this risk factor that most people with FH they we know that heart disease runs in the family, once we've got the FH diagnosis, we know what to do about it and to try to prevent heart disease in ourselves and in our children and our grandchildren and generations to come. So I think it's a really hopeful uh, message as, as hard as it can be to have FH. And um, yeah. along those lines, what, do you, what would you say, Josh? Yeah, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say on that note, I think that word hopeful is a really important one. And uh, I remember cutting a video, or we had a little illustrated video about, about being hopeful when you have FH. And I think that's really a key message that even if one individual is, in a family is affected profoundly by FH, maybe they've had a heart attack or they've had bypass surgery, that knowledge can be so empowering to the rest of the family. And really, um, and with early intervention and treatment, all those other family members can be spared, you know, the downstream problems. And so it's it's a critical, uh, we should be hopeful for FH. There's lots of uh, very effective therapies. Unlike some conditions where we can't do anything, for FH we can do everything. You know, we can make people live just as long and just as healthy as, as uh, individuals that are not affected. And this, why it's, this is why FH, I think about uh, FH as being the epitome of personalized medicine. You know, it's a genetic condition for which there's very effective therapies um, available. And so um, it's extremely important that we keep our eyes open. Um, there's this expression that I love, the, <clears throat> the eyes cannot see what the mind does not know. So the first thing to do is get educated. And I'm so glad we had the chance to do that today and grateful for the American Heart Association to uh, be working together with the FH Foundation to get the word out about FH. That was certainly a lot of information. Thank you so much, Josh, for your time today and for all you do. Oh, thank you, Kat, and uh, thanks to the FH Foundation and the American Heart Association, and keep up the good work. And in case you missed any of what we've discussed on this podcast, you can visit the FH Foundation at the FHFoundation.org and the American Heart Association at www.heart.org backslash cholesterol. Thanks so much.
Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Heart Association and American Stroke Association. For transcripts of this podcast and more information about cholesterol, please visit heart.org cholesterol or engage with us via social media using the hashtag understand cholesterol.